Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. It's interesting. Doing it God's way. Now they're rejoicing and they're happy and David is dancing. Now this is the King Boogian. (laughs) He's having a good time. He is so blessed. It just affected his whole entire being. And, And what a blessing it was. In fact... Uh, Psalms 105, uh, verses 1 through 15, and Psalms 96. Uh, those are verses that are, th- those are Psalms that were directly written because of the rejoicing that went on when they were breaking the ark back. And, and uh, you can find that also in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, where you can actually see where it's word for word, and then they just put it over. So it says, the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Wow, this was, this was it. David was happy. He was out dancing. Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw, the King David, saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, friends, I'll tell you something that I think is interesting here. There's always going to be somebody that tries to take away the joy of the Lord in your life. Unfortunately, in this particular case, it was Michael. It was somebody very close to him. It was his wife, one of his wives. I think it's interesting that there's always somebody that wants to take away what God is endeavoring to do in your life. Uh, we find it all the way through the Bible. And, and, and uh, again, I think it's what we, again, focus on in our lives gives us that, uh, that determination of why we live. And if you focus on negative things continually, um, I'm not saying not being a realist because I think you have to be real. But the thing is, again, as we, we look at it here, uh, we, we find that, that David is so blessed and so happy that the ark was brought back. He, he recognized he'd done a mistake. He'd put it on the back of an ox cart. Now this time they're doing it right. And you know, I think there's several things that can be said in that. Is anybody here that's ever done something wrong and then you did it right and saw God's blessing in your life? You know what you know? You know God's real. Because when they did it wrong, God wasn't blessed. He did it right, and people saw God work in a a, a wonderful way. And the people were blessed. Notice it says that Michael saw his daughter, looked through the window, saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a chunk of meat, and a cake of raisins. <laughs> they just had kind of a, kind of a, after worship service, eat out. And he just blessed the people uh, with the food. And so all the people departed, everyone to his house. And so this great grand celebration 
And you can just see everybody's, you know, just eating and, and dancing and worshiping the Lord and all the great things that are going on. And David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, Now, you know, sometimes you just wish you could take a felt marker and just kind of mark out things. And I think it's interesting that the Bible records for us in such detail many of these little behind-the-scenes things that take place. And I think it's for a reason, friends. And I think it's so that you understand that what you go through as a person who loves God is not some foreign, strange thing to you, but rather it seems to be that that follows the people who love God all the way through the Bible. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 11, 2 Corinthians 11, where Paul and all the things that happened to him because of his relationship with God. He was beaten with rods, shipwrecked a day and night, and all the crazy things that happened to him. And he lists all these things, and then he comes down and he says, and besides all the other things that come upon me daily. <laughs> well, if the other things weren't enough to kill you, the things that come upon you daily would. And I, I look at discouragement, friends, is, and I, I've shared this before about the devil had a yard sale. Sold, it was selling everything he had except for one thing that he had setting back against the, the fence. And the devil said, said, everything's for sale. And the guy says, well, what about that thing back there? What's that? And he goes, oh, that's depression. He goes, well, are you selling that? And he goes, no, with that tool, I don't need any of the others. And I think that a lot of times the devil knows how to hurt us to take away that joy of the Lord. Notice it says, And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids and the servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She made fun of him. She says, yeah, David, you were out there dancing around in your fruit of the looms. Weren't you making a big fool out of yourself is essentially what she's saying. Now, David, notice he was coming home to do what? And David returned to beat his wife. No, it doesn't say that. He said, and David returned to bless his house. He was coming in to bless his wife was coming out to condemn because see, we remember that verse a couple of verses back and she despised him in her heart. Friends, what is in the heart always comes out. It just does. That's just the way it works. And it came out in her words to David. And David said to Michael, Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. He's saying, listen, he said, I, I wasn't dancing out to be dancing. I was dancing before the Lord. I, I, I was, that was part of his heartfelt expression to God. And verse 22 is interesting. And I will even be more undignified than this. Now, this, now, now see, ladies, this is something you can learn here. You see, guys are kind of clunky-headed, and I know you think we have a brain the size of a walnut, and you've got a thick skull about that thick around it. But you know, the, 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 what happens when 
when there's a kind of a revolt against the man, what man will do is they'll dig their heels in and they'll even get more of what you don't want. Notice what David did here. I will even be more undignified than this. See, he, he reacted in a much different way. It's interesting that her nagging and her condescending attitude did not, David say, oh, that's right. Man, I should have watched out what I was doing. I took off my priestly or my kingly robes and, and I just danced around like I was a common person before the Lord. See, that's why he did that. Some people believe that he was probably dancing around, got hot and he took his robes off. And then he just looked like everybody else. But the truth is, before the Lord, we are the same. God has no respecter of persons, whether you're a king or whether you're a slave. God sees us all the same. And I think this is one of the things that probably Michal reacted to, was that she did, you know, there's the accolade that goes along with being the king. And when he set that aside to worship his God, she didn't appreciate that. So he says, I will even be more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. He knew that they saw and knew what he was doing, even though she didn't. And friends, let me tell you, there's always those people that want to criticize what you're doing for God. And generally speaking, they're people that don't do anything for God. If you really look at it, by your fruits you know them. If you really look at their personal life, there isn't much there, if there's anything. And I believe this is why people like this are so critical of others, is because they have to justify their backslidden condition in their mind. And this is a terrible situation, because we find that even David is reminding uh, Michal, he said, the Lord chose me over your father and over his house. He didn't find it was wrong to remind uh, her uh, of, of, of a little bit of the history here of what had gone on. Therefore, verse 23, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. That was considered a curse, and, and uh, God just, just um, saw what she did and, and uh, punished her for it. So verse uh, 1 of chapter 7, now it came to pass... When the king was dwelling in his own house, that the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies all around. And the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now how I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. By the way, God never complained about living in a tent. Do you know that? Do you, you know why I believe that was? You know, all the time when they were going through the wilderness... And they would set, set up the tabernacle there in the wilderness. You, you know something? God never complained about that. You know why? Because he could be mobile with the people. Now, when you begin to understand that we're the tabernacle or the tent of God, this body that we live in, Paul tells us, it's noteworthy that it goes everywhere your spirit goes. In other words, God is not worshipped in buildings necessarily, that God lives in those buildings. That's why if you ever study uh, uh, foreign religions especially overseas, where they have these beautiful, ornate temples. The reason why they have these ornate temples is because they actually, actually believe their gods live in those buildings. Well, you know what? There's not a better building. There's not a better looking building than you. All of man's technology, all of man's abilities can't make anything as neat and unique as you. 
that can feel and hear and love and, and respond and all those things. You're the tabernacle that God has chosen to dwell in. But David, and I believe probably from Hiram, the, Hiram, the, the king of, uh, of, of, um, of Lebanon and all these other, he, he, he was forming an alliance with David when he was coming to the throne and, and, and uh, to the throne and sent him a bunch of cedars and, and, and build him a house. That was his present uh, to, to David. And so David says, well, you know, I live in this big, beautiful house and God lives over there in a tent. Again, God never complained about his tent. Maybe God likes to camp. You know, just one of those things. Then Nathan said to the king, Go do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So, so basically, Nathan, the prophet, David told him what he wanted to do. He wanted to build God a house. And so Nathan said, Go for it. Man, that's great. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but I have moved about in the tent, in the tabernacle, in all the places where I have walked with the children of Israel, wherever uh, I, uh, wherever have I ever spoken a word to anyone to the tribes of Israel, commanded my shepherd of my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from, my fellow, from, from, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of great men on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them and they may dwell in the place in their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since that time I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, I have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chastise him. The rod of men will be the blows of the son of men, but mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Before you, your throne shall be established forever according to these words and according to all that's in the vision. So Nathan spoke. To David. Now, as we look at this, he says, now therefore, verse 8 again, he says, therefore you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. It's, it's interesting here that God reminded him he was a nothing when he started. <laughs> We're all nothings, aren't we? It's just God's blessing in our life that makes us whatever and anything that we are. So never forget that. And again, you're only a heartbeat away from it all changing. The second thing we find here is he says, and wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you and made you a great name like the name, the great name on the earth. 
Um, I've been with you wherever you have gone. Now, you think about that for a minute. When David was so frustrated with Israel, and he went and he joined with the Philistines and was even going to go to war against Israel. I believe over the Kenites situation. We talked about that before, where he delivered the Kenites from the Amorites, this invading army that hauled off all their stuff. And David and his mighty men, the 600, went after him and wiped him out. And David thought, well, at least I got some friends here. Everyone knew who David was. He was the giant killer. I mean, he had quite a reputation. And so Saul heard that he was with the Kenites. And so David went and prayed. And he said, Lord, will the Kenites deliver me into the hand of, da- uh, into the hand of Saul? See, Saul wanted to kill him because Saul knew he was going to be the next king. So he didn't like that. And so the Lord spoke to him and said, yeah, they'll turn you over to Saul. And so I think David got really angry at that point. And I think that's when he left and went to the land of the Philistines. And that's why I think he was going to go out to war against him. And it had not been the Lord's intervention in the Lord of the Philistines when, when they had all lined up, all the armies lined up against Israel. And they said, what's David doing here and his guys? And they said, well, he's one of us. And, they, and the Lord of the Philistines said, no, 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 no. We're going to get out there in the heat of battle and he's going to get warm fuzzies for Israel and he's going to be turning on us out in the middle of battle. We'll be fighting them from both sides. So no. So they went, so the king went to David and said, David, I'd love to send you out in battle with us, but the, the, the other governors here don't want you to go out and fight against Israel. So you stay here. And so it, it is interesting to me that, that God intervened even in, and like I've always shared this with people, God's bigger than the things we do wrong. And there's a place where David was really going to mess up and God divinely intervened in David's life because David, I, I believe David had about all he could take. And, and, I, I, and as we find that, um, we don't find any, again, if you look at the events leading up to David going to the Philistines that last time, as you look at those events leading up, it was where the nation of Israel had traded on David. I think David had had it. But God here says, I was with you the whole time. Isn't that something? In the, you mean in the midst of the, of the darkest, hardest, most tear-fulfilled times of our lives, God was there all along? Yep, that's what it says. And so much, David, you wanted to build me a house, and I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to build me a house, but I'm going to build you one. And some one of your descendants will be on the throne forever. Then King David, verse 18, went in, And sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet it is a small thing in your sight, O God, that you have also spoken to your servant's house for a great while to come. And in this manner of man, O, O, O Lord God... He's saying, I don't understand why you selected me out. You know, isn't that the truth? It isn't that you chose God, it's God chose you. (laughs) And that's what we find here. So, now what more can David say to you? For you, O Lord, know your servant. For your word's sake, according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O God, O Lord God, and there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard in our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on earth in whom God went to redeem himself as a people to make himself a, a name, 
and to do for you great and awesome deeds for your land before your people whom you redeemed from yourself from Egypt and from the nations of the gods. For you have made your people Israel, your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, O God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant, concerning his house, establishing it forever, as do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts, God, is over Israel, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this thing to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you and bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you, O Lord. You, O Lord God, you have spoken it with your blessing. Let your house of your servant be blessed forever. You know, David responds to this promise of God in a prayer and blessing the Lord. And just to encourage you that, you know, God's got a prayer blessing upon you. You know, and, and again, as you understand the love of God, God has towards you. The gist is God, David start out with the intentions. God, I'm going to build you a house. And God goes, nah, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you one. In fact, we find on that in Chronicles that it tells us that David, because he was a man of war, that God wasn't to, to do that. Actually, God was going to let his son do that. So David said, well, I'll just get everything ready then. But you see, God says, but I'm going to build you a house. And one of your descendants shall be on the throne forever. And as we read these verses here, uh, in verse 12, your days are fulfilled, you will rest with your father, I will set up seed after you, and come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. This is a messianic prophecy concerning Jesus, that he was a lion of the tribe of Judah. And that Jesus was that one that fulfilled this prophecy that one from David would always remain on the throne forever. And friends, Jesus is on that throne tonight for you. God keeps his word. God keeps his promises. And so I pray tonight that you understand that even though you might be going through something, maybe something you don't understand, God's there. He knows. And just to encourage you as well that, you know, as we look earlier and look back at uh, uh, chapter 6, to do it God's way. God's way is the best way. And you know, a lot of times we think, well, you know what? I don't think I have to do it God's way. There's going to be a shortcut here. You see, Satan always offers a shortcut. Remember when Jesus was up on the mountain and he, he hadn't eaten anything for 40 days and Satan came tempting him and saying, if you're God, command this stone to be made bread. Well, of course he was God. But you know what's interesting? Jesus could have turned the whole mountain into bread if he wanted to, but he didn't. Because he didn't want to use his power to benefit himself. Jesus quoted scripture back to him. And as I look at this entire story here, friends, one of the things that I notice is that God has a way of doing things. But the most important thing is, is knowing the God of the Bible. Because that's going to give you the direction that you need in your life. So trusting him, lean not into your own understanding, but always acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight. We thank you, God, for your word. And we see, Lord, the intentions of hearts. And God, we know that a lot of times, Father, we may have 
ideas and thoughts, but Lord, we need to bring all those to you. And so, God, tonight, we just ask you that as we see in these promises in your word, Lord, that there is that fulfillment of Scripture that says that one of David's descendants would be on the throne forever. Father, thank you that we have one that we can trust. And so, God, tonight, may your Holy Spirit just continue to minister to us. Remind us, God, to do it your way. Cause us to be aware of the the shortcut that the enemy oftentimes will try to offer that is no shortcut at all. And so, Father, that we would trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with 2 Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time. It's time.